0: Welcome to Wood Talk for Woodworkers by Woodworkers. Now, here are three guys who put the fine in fine woodworking Mark, Matt, and Shannon.
1: Hubba, hubba, it's Wood Talk 124 for March 13th, 2013. On today's show, we're talking about finishing ebony, finish options for game pieces, shop space for a first house. Joinery for a plywood tool cabinet, dry lube on the table saw, using metal pipe as dowel stock, and chair joints with no metal fasteners. But before we get to that, let's hear a word from our sponsors. Today's show is supported by Festool. Helping woodworkers get better results in less time and with less mess to clean up afterwards. Visit them online at festoolusa.com. And by Bell Forest Products, providing over 100 species of figured and exotic wood to woodworkers around the globe. From stock sizes and individual boards to bulk lumber for larger projects, you're sure to find exactly what you need. Use coupon code WoodTalk at BellForestProducts.com to save 10% on your next order. Offer good until April 10th,
0: 2013. Hey, folks, if you have a comment, a question, or a topic suggestion, and it seems like a whole bunch of you do because our email box has really been filling up a lot lately, but I guess that's a good thing because you know where to turn to the answers. I think it's us. You, Is hope, us? you hope. I hope it's us. <laughs> Anyways, though, you have several different ways to contact us. You can leave us a voicemail on Skype. Our username is Wood talk Online. You can call our voicemail line at 623-242-5180. Email us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com or leave us a comment on our Wood talk Facebook page. And if you're looking for any of the show notes or downloads from today's show or maybe previous episodes, you're going to find those over at woodtalkshow.com. Now, we got ourselves a full-on list today of things to talk about, so we probably should jump right into it, but let's jump on our benches first. Let's pull like a, a Tom Cruise and just jump right up there and proclaim our love.
1: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Whoa. That was obscure. Uh, it's gonna be good. That was really obscure. Shannon, Actually
0: I was Shannon, you be the
1: first Tom Cruise.
2: <laughs> Woo! Um absolutely nothing on my bench. In fact I haven't been in my shop in almost a week because I went out of town, went down to Williamsburg and hung out with 18th century time folkies. Nice. <laughs> and I did not find any turkey legs, Matt. There there officially is no No official Williamsburg
0: snack. Sorry.
1: They just chew on leather. That's what it is.
0: Well, in that case, I mean, leather, that could be good. It's like, isn't it like pork rinds? It's like, just do it the right way. Poor man's beef jerky. It's just leather. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Well, you know, actually, Shannon, I'm almost kind of mirroring you. I really haven't been doing too much. I've been kind of playing around again with trying to perfect the way that I'm creating these wooden rings for my wife because she wants more and more and more of them. And you know what? They're so inexpensive to make that I I don't mind because it keeps me out of like having to make the actual get the actual like gold ones or platinum (laughs) as she'd prefer. So you're just using the wrong material. um, (laughs) You need to find more and more expensive woods. I'm trying to convince her that when I find a branch outside, I'm making it with love. <laughs> do, you, do you think this might be like a little Etsy side business or something for you? It, potentially it could be. You know, the funny thing is part of this was, of course, she wanted to have something uh, really unique because she has there's a number of photographer friends that she has yeah. who have had clients who are looking specifically for wooden wedding bands. And uh, apparently there are manufacturers out there and uh, but I, I guess this from what she was describing there aren't really any locally they're really having to kind of search for them mm-hmm. so that was like one of the ideas is hey you know i've got this husband who potentially could make these for you so we'll see i i have like this whole idea of like taking one piece and making two rings from it so it's like two rings from one heart wood wow you know and wow. very
1: cool. yeah so romantic. Okay. Who knew that you were such a romantic, Matt?
0: I know. I write poetry on the side, too. There once was a man from <laughs> Nantucket who, wait, no, that's not my original poem. <laughs> nice.
1: That's awesome. So, but
0: actually, one thing I I do want to mention, and I'm kind of excited about this, and I really want to kind of push the, the ring stuff out of the way at the moment. I'm trying to convince Sam that it's okay to let me do that, is uh, a while ago, we had somebody, I think, had asked about the zero clearance throat uh, inserts for a saw stop. It was a New Zealand listener, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. And we had another listener who had contacted us and said, hey, have you looked at the ones over at uh, Infinity uh, Tools? And I guess they have one. And so uh, we were able to get in contact. And by we, I mean somebody put us in contact with the person that's creating these really cool aluminum throw plates. And I happen to have one in the shop. And I'm getting ready to try it out. In fact, I tried it in the saw opening today because they told me, look, sometimes the there's the little slots that help to hold it in place. They might be a little tight. Give that a try and let us know if it works for you. I put this thing in and it literally fit like a glove. It just slid right into place and I was just like awed by it. So nice, nice. I haven't actually tried it out yet completely, but it's on my list for the next couple of days to at least give this a couple of test cuts. And I'm actually looking forward to this. It, it looks pretty neat. It looks very solid and very well constructed
1: well, I looked on the website, and I was hoping to find one because this is something i 've wanted for a while is to get something like that for my p m two thousand but it looks mm-hmm. like they only make them in limited um I, I, the SawStop is the one that seems to get the most attention i 'm looking for it now, but i don 't even know what other brands they make it for, but i I know when I looked p m two thousand was not one of them unfortunately
0: right actually, I think the he sent a letter because uh th- they think that you and I live together, Mark apparently or our next door neighbors <laughs> if, maybe well, even we share sh- a shot really should so- but <laughs> Apparently, we have back to back saws. Your, your Powermatic and my saw stopper right next to each other at all times. It
1: kind of sounds like a great premise for a sitcom, doesn't it?
0: It does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, board Buddies. There you go.
1: <laughs> so, wait, I'm looking on the site. They got the PM66. There's a couple other ones like General Jet, uh, but no PM2000. So get on it, guys. Come on. I want to buy Come one on. of these it's things. 2013. What's, What's wrong problem? with you?
0: He was saying that they're, they're now fans of the show. So uh, I, if you're listening, uh, Mark really wants it back. Well, hey,
1: you got one customer just waiting to buy it. That'll That's worth it, right?
0: One, exactly. One
1: <laughs> Only if it has
2: racing stripes and flames on it. That's though, right. I do a, require uh, a special
1: flame paint job of anything that enters my shop. So, Oh, you are so oh, dramatic. I know. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's my, that's my character on our sitcom. It's just how I am.
0: Yeah, and that, I'm, the, I'm the quiet one, the unassuming one that's like, wait, what? What?
1: Right. Why do I picture <laughs> so, like a, ma- a terrible male version of two broke girls? <laughs> <laughs> Probably, yeah.
0: are, that is the worst show on television ever. Just uh, I, Well, I have the bosoms for it, so I think we're, we're <laughs> right true. in line there. I get to and the I hop the then? Great. All right. Um, <laughs> so anyways, that's mine. What do you got going on there, Mark? It looks like you have something coming in from uh, some new boards or something, or you yeah, are bored. I am bored. Uh, that's why
1: I ordered wood and mm-hmm. i got some stuff from bell forest they they've got some great stuff you guys know that and i ordered a couple of live edge boards and some figured maple and they sent me and i the, the cool thing about having a wood dealer that you just trust and you kind of have a rapport with is you can just say look at you know i want something like this what do you have that's cool send it to me you know and then you just pay the invoice and that's what they did so i've got these figured maple live edge boards that are uh, 8 quarter and absolutely gorgeous. I just put up a picture up on Facebook and on Twitter showing these two massive boards. I had no idea what I'm going to do with them, but frankly, just having them sitting there leaning up against the wood rack is like inspiration in and of itself, just having them in the shop. (laughs) uh, Beautiful stuff, but things like that, I think that puts a lot of pressure on us as woodworkers when you get something that is that beautiful it's not even for me. It's not even about the money. It's just respecting the material and making sure I do justice to it and don't do something that when I film it and put it on the internet, someone goes, oh, what a waste. <laughs> like that <type> of thing. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know that's going to happen no matter it's what. It's going to happen. Group, so just you're right. don't worry about that. You're right. But it, it still puts a lot of pressure on me to think, hmm, what do I want to do with this thing? Um, yeah, so I saw, saw those just before we went out. eight quarter. It's eight quarter. Sorry, I just saw
2: your picture on Facebook.
1: Yeah, it is eight quarter, live edge on both sides, and just absolutely gorgeous stock. So I'm just going to look at it for a little while and and hold off (laughs) on making a decision on what I'm going to do.
0: I was going to say just before we went on air, I was looking at these, and I'm just like, whoa. In fact, I got distracted. I didn't have a chance to put up a (laughs) a notice to let people know that we're going live because I was like, look at that. That's absolutely beautiful. It's good stuff.
1: Um, The other thing I want to mention is, as I was getting wood off of my old lumber rack in the garage where the shop used to be. I got up on the ladder and it's right near the water heater. And it's just a little sort of common sense public service message to check your water heater vents. Because Mm -hmm. I don't know how this happened or, I mean it was something that you know passed inspection when we bought the house and never really took a look at it. Uh, But check it out periodically because you never know what's going to happen. My vent had just fallen out of the connector in the the ceiling in the garage. (laughs) And it was just like it was like three or four inches away from the the output. So I'm like, you've got to be kidding me! How long has this thing just been like off gassing carbon monoxide in my garage? (laughs) (laughs) And and, you know, I mean, on a serious note, it's right next to the baby's room. Yeah. Which well, yeah, you walking through
0: the garage, so you're like, I feel really happy and sleepy for some reason. <laughs> I don't take know a, why.
1: I'm going to take a nap right here in this concrete. <laughs> yeah. Um so yes,
2: not, it's not nitrous Matt it's carbon monoxide.
1: Yeah, so mm-hmm. serious stuff. Check your water heaters and I know a lot of us do wood, do woodworking in our garages or basements and spaces where there are things like water he- heaters and furnaces and stuff and just check that stuff once in a while cuz <laughs> you just never know. I uh, don't want any accidents to happen. So
0: Absolutely. good, Very good point. All right. Your tip for the day.
1: That's it. Uh, let's move to the Around the Web segment. And, uh, Matt, you want to start us off?
0: Okay. Yeah, we have a – this one's kind of a long one here. But uh, David sent in a link to an all-wooden bike. Now, I think we had one in the last show too. Yeah. But this one is uh, urbanvelo.org. And the whole thing behind this particular one when you take a look at it is uh, – I'll read the little description here. Master Wood – wooden ship builder Sushiro Sano created a number of wooden bicycles including this one using an old stockpile of hard to find and Mostly illegal to harvest nowadays <laughs> mahogany. So there's there's the big catch there. Uh, Sano built everything from the laminate construction frame and fork to the saddle, stern, and bars. Even the aero front wheel is handmade from mahogany. So it's definitely – I wonder if he has to ride this and try and stay ahead of the cops. That's why he made it so aerodynamical aerodinam- because, you know, <laughs> it's all illegal mahogany. mahogany. <laughs> nice. It is cool. I do,
1: we do notice a theme here. This is definitely the second week in a row we're doing a wooden bike thing. So
0: I think it's because spring Very is cool. just around the corner, and mm. everybody that's been snowed in is just like, "I want to do something else."
2: There you go. Well, what's interesting is, I mean, this is certainly not a new idea. I've seen wooden bikes a lot, but this one actually looks like any you know twenty thousand dollar racing bike. Yeah, it's this not, is
1: this is hardcore. Yeah, yeah,
2: there's been no kind of. Um, alteration to the classical bike frame in order to make it stronger cuz it's wood. I mean, this is just incredible looking.
0: Yeah, very well. Done. This looks like the one like when I was big into biking, uh, if I stood near this bike, the owner would come out and be like, "Please step away. <laughs> Sir, Get you away cannot afford this. that bike." Yes, exactly. <laughs> Please don't go. You don't know ahead. how many times I heard that. <laughs> All I'm looking at is that seat, and I'm
1: thinking if that it's a very thin piece of wood making up the seat and if that ever broke. <laughs> Ow! <laughs> hey! <laughs> that would hurt.
0: Ouch. wow all splintery
1: right. all right yeah i think these are all your links matt so if you want to just they actually are
0: okay well and actually david sent in another link which is to an illustrated uh grading guide shannon you don't need this it's an illustrated <sighs> grading guide for lumber from the american hardwood export council and it's full of pretty pictures which was the main reason why i put it up there because i love pretty pictures mm-hmm. and, and it's a big I pdf think
1: it... too it's a big download yeah, yeah i've it, actually
0: it, i've had this bookmarked on
2: my work computer for a couple of years now it's very very useful.
0: Right. And it's it's yeah, it's really great because like when you go to the uh, anybody who struggles with lumber terms and trying to understand why this particular board is not first and why it's a second and stuff like that, uh, I think you might actually get a little helping hand from this particular grading guide. So then you can go in and start arguing with the lumber people and be like, you know what, um, I have this guide and you're wrong. <laughs> this <laughs> is not no, the proper grade. Right, That'll and then and then they'll find out about us and try and destroy us. You
1: know, hopefully hopefully people don't have like sketchy hardwood dealers, but if you think about it in a lot of ways, we do put a lot of trust in them. I mean, how often are you actually counting board feet with them as they calculate it? I know I don't, I just Again. <laughs> I pick I pick the boards <laughs> so I want. You know, I pick the boards I want, I throw them down. I need more customers like you, Mark. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I just, I hope that they're being honest and I I don't know, maybe it's it's a bit of laziness on my part where I don't want to, I, I, I have it in my head. I can look at a board and approximate the board feet so I, I know if they're going way off uh, from the number but I'm not going to get an exact number right there uh, at the lumber place so I don't know. It's good to know this stuff ahead of time just so that you are armed with information when you're making these purchases.
0: I'm right there with you. I'm like, oh, let's see. This one is uh, six inches wide by looks like about six feet long. You said this is about what, twenty-four board foot for this one? <laughs> okay, I'll take this. That sounds uh, like a good deal. It is thirty-two
2: quarter. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> <There we go. laughs> nice. So yeah, and then I had a guy I had a guy call us from um, somewhere out in the middle of nowhere in Washington State and was just irate because we overshipped him six by six board feet. Over-shipped like, so, them wait we gave you more than you <laughs> needed yes but i don't need these extra six board feet okay
0: <laughs> please hold let
2: me transfer to the vp of sales on that one
1: that's very that's odd oh <laughs> uh, man <laughs> how dare you guys
2: yeah i know send should have we should have undershipped him he would have been fine with that that's right
0: Man, the closest I ever got was once I ordered some maple and apparently they had accidentally somebody put in some some really beautiful tiger maple in there. And it was the owner was helping me load it into my car. And he's like, whoa, do you order some tiger maple? No, that's just supposed to be regular maple. He's like, oh, somebody's getting some hours cut today.
1: <laughs> <laughs> somebody's losing a paycheck.
0: Yeah, So that was that was all fun for them. Uh, so last one, Ty sent in a link to a video where the whole wood shop is run off water power, which made me think of that whole Amish uh, uh, talk we had a few weeks ago. Oh, yeah. I haven't had a chance to actually watch this video, but it's uh, Ben's Mill, and it's making a sled, and it's holy cri- It's like 58 minutes long, I guess. It's, a whole, I even
1: check that. Yeah, it's like a whole documentary-style PBS sort of movie type thing. Okay. Um but it's cool. It's good. Watch it. watch it. Absolutely watch it. This is one of those things that i that i watch and i walk away feeling like way less of a man than i was before i watched it wholly <laughs> inadequate yeah i absolutely. mean like this this is this older dude who's just in this old mill that's run with water and you want to work one machine you've got to move this belt over to this other thing and and then that turns that and i mean this the tools he's using in there and it's all again water water powered um and the things that he's doing and not to say that you know you can't do things when you get older but this guy is doing stuff that i'd be complaining about you know, at 35 years old, I'd be complaining about within about 10 minutes. I mean, this is a tough, tough guy. Um, really amazing, and it just—I don't know—it made me feel like, like I shouldn't go into my shop and complain that my Apple TV doesn't have Wi-Fi reception. <laughs> like somehow, oh, that's and, and my and biggest problem.
2: It, just don't watch this during safety week. That too. Not, our our modern, shall we say, wimpiness. Probably would not be able to handle some of the stuff this guy does. Oh, no, no. There's I not mean. a guard in sight Mm-mm. and there's no dust collection. And it's just, it's, it's actually very refreshing. <laughs> well, and it's it, like, it is, screw it, is. it. Safety, no big deal. And he still sim- got all 10 fingers, as far as I could tell.
1: Well, and it's the simplicity of the thing. You know, he's, he, you look at the table saw and the fact that it doesn't have a splitter is probably the least offensive safety issue there. Um, he's freehand cross cutting a bevel. In boards on the table Right. Yeah, that one was awesome. And he's holding oh. it at an angle to cut the bevel. He's not tilting the blade at an angle. He's holding the workpiece at an angle and pushing it through. Um, this, you know, so it's obviously this is a very skilled guy who's been doing this for a long time. But it really, it's a whole paradigm shift in, in thinking about how work can be done. It's really, really cool. It's it's cool because when I first got the email, I was thinking,
2: okay, this should be interesting considering I just got back from Williamsburg and it, it's it's totally nineteenth century. I mean, mm-hmm. he's using a joiner, he's using a planer, he's using a table saw, bandsaw.
0: Every modern tool that we have now, it's just there's no electricity. It's just it's very cool.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: So, so in other words, like when somebody's asking me like what kind of splitter do you have on your, your table saw? He's like, a saw.
1: My fingers <laughs> <It
0: does. laughs> <It's for me. laughs>
2: he Well. And, and for that matter, this site, folkstreams.net, this is this is just one film of hundreds that are on this site. and you know, some of them are have absolutely nothing to do, but there's actually quite a few woodworking related ones on there. and cool. there's a really cool forestry related one as well of like a forest a sawmill company in upstate Maine back in the turn of the 19th century. yeah, I'm no, sorry, turn of the 20th century and um you talk about feeling inadequate as a man mm-hmm. the dudes they interview on this these guys are just the stuff they did hundreds of years ago was just incredible Man-hanging. So anyway the, the whole the whole domain is worth a look definitely not just this one video
0: let um, me tell you something, I, to feel inadequate, I just have to watch young kids out on the playground skipping rope, and I'm like, dang it, <laughs> I can't even jump oh, up and down. <laughs> I'll
1: tell you, my favorite part of the video is, uh, it's actually toward the beginning, He, one of his neighbors, a farmer, I guess, comes over, and uh, he's the guy who digs the graves in the, the <laughs> graveyard, so he needs something to help pick up sod, so that as he's you know digging the grave, he could put the sod back in place, so he brings over a big pitchfork. And he wants it modified to have a nice bend in it so that he can kind of yank the sod up and pick it up and easily move it. So he takes it to the guy. They kind of go back and forth about what they're going to do. So he heats it up and he starts smacking and he does his whole blacksmithing thing. And they finally get all this work done and a guy goes, all right. He's like, how much do I owe you? And he's like, eh, a buck 50. <laughs> <A> buck 50. <laughs> I'm like buck 50. Holy crap. I wouldn't even get out of, I wouldn't open my eyes and get out of bed for a buck 50.
0: And he's probably like, I feel really ashamed about asking for this. I'm getting really materialistic lately. $1. No, I 50. mean,
1: and again, that puts it into perspective. These are, it was what, it's a New England um, farm, you know, like sort of rural yeah, New Vermont, England. I think. Uh, and it's just the whole thing really opens your eyes to what what other people are doing, what other craftspeople are doing and that this guy can put that much work into doing this thing and it's, it really is like a slice from a whole different time, a whole different era that for him, that, that was a fair price to charge, $1.50 for that much work. It's just amazing. That's well, crazy. And if, yeah. if we ever
2: complain about shop machine maintenance, just watch this video. Mm-hmm. The dude's got to drain the pond, <laughs> dig out the <laughs> silt, crawl into the turbine <laughs> shaft. Like, it rem- it's like, holy crap. I was <laughs> complaining about bow shield on my uh, planer tables the other day.
1: Dude, it reminds <laughs> me of uh, Roy Underhill talking about how he goes into the stream to, to wades through the stream when it floods and he pulls the <laughs> logs out or something like that. Yeah, it's like, absolutely. that's crazy.
0: <laughs> anyway, yeah, mean, meanwhile, I'm just like, oh, I've got to move this pile over to this other pile. Yeah,
2: yeah. While I was watching it, I started to develop a cramp in my left butt cheek. And- <laughs> <laughs> my life is hard. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
1: Okay, we got a couple of voicemails. We can move on to those. Uh, the first one is about finishing ebony.
0: Hello, wood talkians. I have a question for you. I got a piece of ebony uh, coming, black
2: ebony come on. Uh, for a customer's project and it's going to have a fairly big piece in it and i'm wondering what you guys might do for a finish on it i want to make it shine and look uh, beautiful uh, if you got any suggestions
0: let me know thanks bye
1: all right, well, ebony, it's something that usually you don't use in any sort of quantity that you have to think too much about it because it's kind of just an accent piece and it right. gets finished the way the rest of the piece gets finished, but in this case, it seems like he's got a substantial amount, so I'm curious if you guys have any thoughts on on what he might use.
2: Yeah, 3,000 grit sandpaper. <laughs> there you go. Shine, that's all you need to do to make it shine. It's, uh...
1: Ebony is amazing stuff like that, man. I mean, you, you really can buff it out and it's got nothing on it, but it looks like it's been finished. It looks like plastic, actually, if you go too far.
0: Yeah. I mean, usually my, my go-to finish for ebony is just taking a piece of pine and taking black marker and putting it on it. So <laughs> a little
1: Sharpie
2: action.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's the, it's the Beautiful. best I can help you out with just, on there. Just I, keep wetting it until it doesn't have that wet look anymore. <laughs> and you know, it's absorbed
2: enough. Yeah. There yeah.
0: you go. I mean, I, i I hate, to, I hate to admit this. I'm mean, going to hear about it, but I've, I've never used ebony. I mean, the only time I've touched ebony is when it's on a piano. That so. is uh,
1: nothing to be ashamed of, Matt. That's some uh, expensive crap.
0: Please, when have you ever known me to be ashamed? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. Um, well, I mean, it's not a. It's not going to absorb much at all. I mean, it's super, super dense. So I think the key is surface prep. Well, isn't that the key with everything? Surface prep? Um, yeah, with all good finishes. But once you get this prep to a certain level, um, you might take the ebony just a couple steps further as far as um, abrasive. The, the 3000 grit or whatever, one of those soft pads will really go a long way. And then use whatever you use on the rest of the piece. I
0: don't think you need to treat it differently. Well, yeah. you know, that, that that makes me think of it, of something as, okay, so oftentimes with, like, you're talking about, there, there are so, some uh, materials that just, they really are just, they're naturally beautiful. And, it, and all you really need to do is literally polish the wood up itself. I mean, what's the difference is if you took it to, like, uh, a really super high grit with, like, almost like an automotive sandpaper or something, if you use some sort of technique like that. I, I, what type of finish would you put on there? Because, I mean, part of the problem with taking it up to such a high grit is kind of uh, – I can't even think of the word I'm looking for here. but like, you almost kind of close the pores. Burnishing, you burnishing it, you mean? There you go. Burnishing. Thank you for filling in the words I can't think in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> you know, does uh, is there – would you, could you like take an oil or something and put that in there? Is it going to absorb, or well, have you burnished it enough that it's like
1: well, barely the, squeaking in? That can that can definitely happen. By the time you get up to really high grit and you're buffing the heck out of it, it's really it already isn't going to accept much finish. And then you do that to it, and it's going to take even mm-hmm. less. Um, the there's a couple of things to be concerned about with ebony. One is whether you really want that plasticky look. So if right. you do if you do like Shannon recommended and you go to a higher grit, you have to be prepared for what that's going to do to the look. It definitely makes it look more like plastic and if that's what you want, that's fine. But there are people who, even if you're using it for accents, would rather just sand it to maybe 220 and finish it like everything else because they want to have a little bit of texture to it. They want to see the grain and they want it to look like wood and not like plastic. Right. Um, right. The other thing to be concerned about is ebony can potentially cause problems with oil finishes. It's not super oily, but if you just put some oil on there, you could have an issue. So if you're going to put a film finish on it, whatever you do, I would definitely recommend putting uh, a couple coats of a de-waxed shellac on there first and then build up your clear coats if you're looking to put a, a nice film finish on there. Uh, yeah, and hopefully nice. that will at least stack the cards in your favor that it won't have any dry, drying problems.
2: Well, and the other thing, I don't know, I'm assuming he's not building the whole piece out of just ebony um, right so right. where wherever the ebony meets the other woods, be very, very careful because that dust is so fine it will get into the other wood and actually stain it for lack of a better term mm-hmm. you know okay. especially if you're using like a, a more open poor open grain wood, um, it's really hard to get that stuff out yeah. so just be uh if you can do some of that surface prep before it's assembled together, that might make a bit of a difference too because I know. Again, I haven't used it very much, and it's usually only been, like, a pin blank here and there used for, like, a peg or something. And, you know, you get it down, and then you sand it, and then you go and put finish on whatever it is, and you see these, like, little black specks popping out on the, the maple that's next to it. Like, mm-hmm. what the heck is that? <laughs> or it looks okay. almost
0: grayish yeah. because that dust has kind of stained the wood around it. All right, because that's actually – it's funny because going back to the whole ring making thing from earlier, there is, there is a video out there where somebody is making one out of uh, – a gabon ebony or whatever and that's exactly i'm seeing this dust flying everywhere and you're seeing it all over their hands like they were playing with chalk or something mm-hmm. and yeah. that's what one of my thoughts is like man if you're actually going to use that that seems like it's going to be everywhere
1: yeah it makes you look like you were out playing in dirt after you've uh cut cut some of it around it just it's pretty nasty sweet uh, all right let's move on to roberto's question apparently his mother-in-law is placing some demands on him so let's find oh, out what's oh. up you know Hey guys, how's it going? It's Roberto from Illinois again. I have another question for you. My mother-in-law has just asked me to build a Jenga game that's like, I don't know, 10 times the size of a regular Jenga game. So oh, cool. you guys know that that has just moved up to the top priority of my project list. Now, I've never done that before. I have an idea of how to do it, but I'm wondering what kind of finish should I put on it? It's got to be able to you know slide in and out as the way the Jenga is played. So what do you guys suggest? I know what size I'm going to do. It's going to be 12 by 4 by 2 each brick, but what finish should I put on it? Thanks. That's one massive Jenga game. Yo, it's See, funny I think I, if
2: you're going to do that, though, go all the way. So when the Jenga tower falls over, like you risk life and limb, you know, <laughs> extreme Jenga. That's so what make, you should really make
1: go
0: them for. out of steel or something. <laughs> but, you know, it's funny because I just saw something where they had like a full size one for outdoors. And I pointed that to my wife. I'm like, that's got to be Photoshopped or those are just crazy college kids. Well, it turns out that apparently it's Roberto's mother-in-law <laughs> and her <laughs> friends
1: <laughs> uh, playing giant Jenga.
0: There you go. Um, Whatever happened to Shuffleboard? <laughs> uh, it's
1: a lost art. Um, uh, let's see. So it's something that's got to handle well. Ultimately, I don't really think it matters what finish he does. I think if he just goes with a film finish and then you know does a good post-finish treatment to make it nice and smooth – yeah. A film finish is going to serve him well. It'll protect the pieces, protect it from fingerprints and smudges and beer or whatever his mother-in-law and her friends are drinking—wine, <laughs> yeah. um, beer, jenga, beer, beer jenga. extreme jenga. Yeah. Nice. Um. And as long as it's got a nice film on it that's been sort of handled after and smoothed afterwards, they'll be smooth enough to to slide in and out and do do their jenga thing. Um, well, but I would I could say just be about wrong, anything. but.
2: Commercially available Jenga, I think they just lacquer the pieces. Oh, do they? Yeah, it, I it sure looks like lacquer to me. I have a Jenga kit around here somewhere, so it's um, got to it, be mean, something
1: fast like that, you know. Yeah, they're exactly. not going to hand rub them all with oil <laughs> and charge like <laughs> yeah. 19.99 for it. Um, yeah I honestly Don't
2: yeah, use I, wax whatever you do
1: I would I would use just about any film finish that you're comfortable yeah. applying and fits within your time frame water based oil based and uh, shellac lacquer I think they could all be reasonable for that well not shellac again alcohol could be bad but um, yeah any of those yeah others.
0: absolutely that's yeah just something simple something easy something that you can replace with and get blood off of
2: what yeah, I think oh, that's
0: is the sorry. key because I'm I'm just imagining <laughs>
2: all the I don't know how many pieces there are in a Jenga set but that's right? a lot. Yeah,
1: it's got to be something fa- I would go then now that you mentioned that Shannon maybe even a, a lacquer would be a good choice because it's going to dry fast. He could spray it. Um that's a lot of puzzle pieces.
2: Yeah, come up with some way that you can hang the pieces like Use a pin vise and stick like a little piece of monofilament fishing line into the ingrains. So you can mm. like hang it on a wire and
0: spray all the way around it. That would ah, be good. That'd be good. Have a yeah. Jenga finishing party. Everybody yeah. can come. There you go. Cool. All
1: right. Let's move on to the email. We've got one here from Lawrence. This is actually very quick, just a response to my uh, discussion about hardware last week. And I said that I don't really know of any good. Online vendors, because I haven't really searched very hard, but uh, <laughs> he does have he does have a suggestion here. He says that there's a mail order supplier that he uses called Custom Service Hardware. It's at cshardware.com. He says while they're not quite as cheap as the local places, they do beat places like Rockler, Woodcraft, things like that. Um, CSH's twenty inch full extension drawer guides are six fifty one a piece. I order from them when I need something that I can't get locally. So there you go, cshardware.com. I never heard of it before, but uh, looks like it's worth checking out. Nice. All right. Cool. Uh, next one we have here it says, I'm newly married. Not me, this person, Ryan. <laughs> I'm newly I was mar- going to say, does
0: uh, Nicole know?
1: No, every day feels like the first day, Matt.
0: that's the way I feel too she is
1: actually sitting next to me
0: Um, (laughs) and that's why Mark has a actually out in the shop she's busy playing (laughs) a
1: game she's got headphones on so she doesn't know what's going on Um, I'm newly married and there's a good chance we'll be looking to buy our first house in the next few months our budget is pretty modest and while the garage is at the top of the list if we find something that has the rest of our must-haves at a low price I might have to concede I know there are other options for a workshop, but I'm a little lost on what the best options might be. I've seen everything from a separate building addition to just a large steel shed. Do you guys have any advice on what I should look at or better yet, what to stay away from? I'm a weekend evening hobbyist, so I don't need anything super spacious or nice, just a place I can organize my tools, power in hand, set up a workbench with ample light, and again, it has to be affordable, Ryan. Uh, the first thing I'm going to say is if he hasn't purchased the house yet, I mean doing the research ahead of time is always a good idea but in a lot of cases you're restricted by what you can do. Um yeah. if you move into a place that has certain HOA restrictions or the city has certain zoning laws and you can't get permits to do work okay so then you can't add something. Uh can you erect a steel building or some sort of a shed in the back? these are all things you don't know until you have the house and you know what the the particular laws and rules are for that neighborhood. So um, I wouldn't go too hardcore into the, the research process because it's a lot easier when you know certain things are completely off the menu.
2: Right, yeah. Um, well, and there's also, Matt, there's these things called a basement. I think you know something about that, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you don't have to dig your own. Oftentimes, houses come with them. <laughs> That's nice. And <laughs> there's usually plenty of space, especially they're really nice if you have uh, windows in, in, on your side of the, the shop or the basement. I, I don't have them at the moment, but I used to. Uh, and, and they're really great for ventilation. But, yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of opportunities. But I, I agree with you. You need to find out first what what you're going to be running into ahead of time. Otherwise, that could that could get tricky.
1: Oh, and the truth is, anything will work. I mean, when when you the, when you have someone who is determined to be a woodworker, they will not let anything stop them from doing it. Uh, whether it's in the back bedroom, a spare bedroom they're not using, or I've heard from people who do woodworking on their balcony in an apartment, which I don't know how they get away with that.
2: Right. <laughs> um, you go carport, get- backyard, patio. Yeah, we've. Hurt them all, I'm sure. Yeah. Literally. People do
1: they do what they have to do because that this is something that they're passionate about. So so you'll figure it out, man. I mean, there's there's things you can do, but let's see what you come up with first uh, in terms of the actual house and then um take it from there.
0: Yeah, because otherwise I mean we if we put together a list, there's a very good chance that your uh, new wife will hate us and we don't want <laughs> that yet.
1: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> all right, Shannon, you're up. Uh, let's see. This is
2: from Andy. He says, I'm designing a tool cabinet for hand tools out of three-quarter cherry apple ply. Why plywood? Because it's a tool cabinet, and I'll probably make another next year. Answer. Uh The case will be approximately twenty six, excuse me, 36 by 36 by 15, and for inspiration, I'm using a Jan Zoltowski box. Box joint, ca- oh, from Fine Woodworking Tools and Shops 2007, and Chris Bexfort's solid cherry cabinet he made for Lee Nielsen. My question is... What would be the best, strongest, and most visually pleasing way to join the carcass? Jan uses half-inch box joints, and Christian is using dovetails in the solid cherry, which I can't really do with plywood. How about a lock-miter joint? Is there something else that I'm not thinking of? Hugs and kisses, Andy.
1: Mm.
2: <laughs> well, I don't know about you guys, but I can't stand lock-miter joints. <laughs> <laughs> never it had lock Yeah, Never had know, luck and I even, I even like bought one of those little, like... Um, Plastic like setup blocks, <laughs> yeah. Um, from Rockler, and you know it got easier when I got um, you know adjust from the top um, router table insert mm. that I could adjust by like 128th of a second of a of a second of an inch, whatever that whatever that <laughs> whatever that unit of measurement is used 128th of a cubit. And even then, it just, it never seemed, there was such precision built into that joint and so little precision built into wood because, hey, it moves when the humidity changes that I just, I never got them to line up right. And, um, you know, I would, if it were me, I would do something like a lock rabbit joint or something. If I really wanted a locking joint or uh, they make these really cool things um, called Miller dowels that are really great. Butt joint drill with a step drill, pound the dowel in, get it in a cool contrasting color, and Boom. you're fancy.
1: That is fancy. Um, well, here's the other thing: why not finger joints or box joints with plywood?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that's like the number one way that people you see like commercial mm-hmm. things made out of plywood is not mm-hmm. that how they're usually done.
1: Well, and you can dovetail plywood. Um, I mean, if he's doing it by hand, that might be <laughs> might be a problem. But um, it, it, you know, it can be done with a router. So the thing is when you're working with something like apple ply that has a lot of plies in it, it actually looks kind of cool when you have those joints exposed and you see that open grain. So if you want to try some of those methods, don't be afraid to do box joints because that's actually going to look really awesome when when Mm -hmm. it's all said and done.
0: I would have to agree. On all of the things that you guys just talked about, <laughs> Thank I can not have to add to that. Thank you. <laughs> Good job, Matt.
1: Um, the you. other thing is, if he has to, you know, you mentioned the dowels, Shannon. If he has to, he could always go, especially if he's he's already classifying this as a temporary thing. You know, like he's going to build a better one, so this is not the end all be all. Why not just a dado and then reinforce it with some dowels from the side? Or yeah. A screw. <laughs> gads, oh. Well, a screw and then cap it off with a plug. I mean, hey, some
2: some nice rose head hand wrought nails. Mm. I saw yeah. some for a dollar thirty a piece at Williamsburg. Jump on that.
1: Mm, that sounds good. Which apparently, as
2: I'm told by Twitter, that's a good price. So
1: I wouldn't know. I don't use nails. <laughs> I just
2: I saw a buck thirty a nail and I thought, <laughs> damn, and then. It was immediately corrected by the interwebs that a buck fifty is the more um, common price. Oh,
1: there interesting! You go. Interesting.
0: Now we yeah. learned something. I am gonna have to say I will put in my two cents here, which is just if it's a temporary thing and you're planning on building it next year, here's an idea: try a different joint every year. Figure go. out which one you, you want go. to for when you finally build the one that you're going to hold on to forever. But <laughs> I say make it as simple as possible. Uh, I like that idea of like a blind rabbit or something like that. That sounds really cool. Actually, that's what I would probably end up using. Cool.
1: All right. Next one, Matt.
0: All right. Uh, let's see here. This is from Everett, and Everett is saying, I've been using dry lube uh, PB Blaster brand to be specific on my cast iron tables. It seems to work pretty well, and I like the fact that it's way cheaper than bow shield. And actually, the, the way was put in there. That's way. not just me over, over doing these. it. Uh, every now and then, I give the tables a thorough cleaning with WD-40, a 3M scrub pad, then Simple Green to get rid of the grease. You guys think this is an okay method? Thanks again for all you do. Um, to answer your question, does it work? Because if it works, then it seems to be an okay method. Although, there's probably, like, no, nah, it's about the same number of steps I might actually do in there when I actually attempt to clean up my surfaces and everything. Yeah. Um to be quite honest with you, I I really am, am super, super lazy when it comes to removing rust and getting everything on there. In fact, I I had a little rust on my saw stop just recently, and uh, I bought the one thing that said that it would take it off instantly. So I'm like, there you go. That works for me. I got that on there. It, it did. It did a really good job of it. I got it off before it ate through the metal itself and burned out the rest of the nose hairs. Uh, but then I just followed it up with just some simple wax and everything and put that on, and I was all set to go. So, again... I don't really spend a super great amount of time working on my tools for rust prevention and stuff like that. I try to do as minimum as possible. Mm-hmm. So I, he's got yeah. like maybe a step or two in there more than I actually do. Yeah.
1: You said it, man. If it works, it works. I use the same stuff, but I, I don't typically coat the table saw surface with it. I use it for my blades and bits. So, um, you know, dry lube is perfect for that stuff. So I, can, every time I clean my table saw, get the, um, what do you call it? The pitch and resin remover, dry it off and then hit all of the little teeth and the sides with this dry lube stuff, rub it in and boom, you're done. You,
0: you know, that, that's a great point. Like what, talking about, like you're doing just, just the blades themselves. Cause I think it is funny when you kind of go overboard, it's that kind of that whole mind thinking where you're like, um, all right, if a little is good, um, a lot, a lot must, must be, be so much better. <laughs> yeah.
1: Now, well, and I do I do wax the top of the table. I just don't use that particular product to do it. Um, right. I just use that on the blades and bits. But uh, yeah, there you go. Sh- Shannon, you're up next.
2: I agree to everything.
0: I'm taking the mat roll. <laughs> yeah, I
1: agree one. with everything everyone just said. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Let me know when the show's
0: <laughs> over. I'll come back and do the uh, contact information.
1: <laughs> right.
2: Okay, let's see. This is from Rob. <clears throat> um, he says, Joanna and I, I'm assuming that's his wife or someone of
0: significance to it's, him. It's
1: uh, someone named Joanna. Maybe
0: it- yeah, and maybe maybe it's news to his wife and she's like, "Joanna, huh? You <laughs> and Joanna." <laughs> <laughs> That's the case. I'm sorry, Rob. Uh, let's see. We
2: we purchased what we thought was an antique pedestal table of some value, and we were right. The top of the pedestal was replaced with a newer piece. So, some value was probably a third of what we paid. Whoops. Um Bummer. Let's see. We bought a bunt foot. Um is that like a little cake with a hole in the middle? Uh, oh, like a cow. bun foot maybe. I um I'm going to use this to make the table about two inches taller as it's currently only 27 and inches. So my thought is to drill out the old dowel, glue in some new wood, then drill down through the pedestal piece by piece with a Forstner bit to insert a new dowel. I'm seriously contemplating epoxying in a one inch diameter piece of black iron pipe. So is the pipe overkill? Wow. Um... I'm having trouble following what he's talking about. I it sounds like he's I read it several this, times. This, I could summarize one foot on the top of the pedestal, like where it would meet the bottom of the tabletop, I think.
1: Yeah, he's basically the and I had to trim the email down a little bit, but it's it's sort of a, a turn pedestal in sections. They found out that the top piece was replaced and he wants to raise it up by about uh, two inches or so. Um, so he's using this extra piece with a hole in it and just kind of adding it to the assembly and he's going oh, to, and he
2: wants to drill through the entire pedestal yeah, all the way re, from the floor. To reassemble
1: okay. the whole thing from the ground up and make sure it's nice and secure. So what he's considering is possibly using one inch diameter black iron pipe as opposed to like oak or birch dowels or the you know standard one inch dowel stock he has access to.
2: Well, um I'm assuming If I understand how it's constructed, and when you look at antiques, this is not attaching the tabletop to the pedestal. This is just holding the pedestal together, Mm -hmm. Uh, in which case, I mean, I don't think it'll hurt. You know, if woodworkers are nothing but consistent when we overbuild things. Um, <laughs> that's putting so, it mildly. <laughs> you know, the one thing I suppose that a pipe could add is especially if he maybe threaded the ends of it so then he could, like, use a wing nut on either end and compress the whole assembly together. That'd be kind of cool. Sure. But technically, you could do that with a hardwood dowel, too. Um I mean, I think if you're going to epoxy in a one-inch diameter dowel, that's going to be pretty damn strong. Um So... You know, the pipe, yeah, it might be overkill, but if it makes you feel better, then do it. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Um, I think the weakness of that table is not going to be so much that the pedestal's gonna come apart. The weakness is probably the attachment point between the tabletop and the pedestal. And I don't know how he's attaching that. There's usually some other, you know, piece in there that kind of spreads out around the tabletop. So I think um I don't know. Uh, the pipe does seem a, a little bit much. But. It
1: it seems like overkill to me. I think a good solid mm-hmm. wood hardwood dowel is going to be plenty strong. I mean, yeah. that, that, especially because
2: it's an
0: inch diameter we're yeah, talking about here.
1: That's going to be stronger than most. Uh, you know, most pedestals would be. So,
0: <laughs> well, yeah. This is my thought too. Is and maybe I'm 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 overthinking this. That happens periodically sometimes. believe it or not yeah sometimes i usually underthink but w- what about wood movement i mean you're having something rigid in the center of that could could we be potentially seeing an effect from that when it's you know when, when, when the wood's gonna be moving up against that or maybe because the hole is, is is big enough or something i don't know i'm just
1: well i guess theoretically if you think about it the the actual turning itself the post is running in the same direction grain wise, as long that's as you, you orient right. the uh you know, the one inch dowel the right way, you could have everything running with the grain in the same direction. species might be off a little bit, but honestly for for the size that we're probably talking about, it's probably negligible movement.
2: Yeah. Right. But the, you know, yeah. that brings up a good point. I mean, it'd be very difficult to get I mean, I assume, I don't know how many pieces this pedestal's made up with. I suppose it's possible somebody put in a cross grain piece, but that's probably yeah. highly unlikely. So we are talking about the strongest glue joint you can have, Mm -hmm. long grain to long grain. And long grain, your your glue surface on this dowel is 360 degrees around the dowel, and you're using epoxy. So it's going to fill in any little gaps you have, and it's going to be bomb-proof. I honestly don't know that a pipe would add any more strength to it now that I think about it. It's going to be
0: really strong. It it sounds complete overkill to me, but hey – you know what? I've done plenty of those too. I kind of like to. <laughs> I, I like to over-engineer and then realize halfway through it, like, man, this is a lot of work. I'm gonna Take yeah. this down to reality.
1: Well, all right. Uh, let's see. We've got one more email here. This one's from Scott. He says, "I'm currently working on a prototype for an Adirondack chair and table set of my own design. I want to avoid any kind of metal fastener when I put together the project. I ten- tentatively decided to do full through dowels to connect the joinery." and intend to use walnut dowels for accent with a mainly cedar and cypress construction. The last factor to add is that I'm planning on using my first using the first set myself and I'm a pretty big guy. I'm wondering if dowels will be sufficient, not just for the sake of weight support but because the chairs will be exposed to weather and will use adhesive instead of a mechanical joint. Do you think Gorilla Glue or Type-On-3 with the dowels provides joints that are strong enough both in function and adhesion in a chair that holds a 250 plus pound person? Scott. I see here, whenever I think of chairs and outdoor I think sort of exacerbates this issue. When you're dealing with something that has a constant repetitive stress on it, I don't like to have metal fasteners. I think they, they make things worse. Because when you think about a joint that wants to constantly move or rack, and if you have a piece of metal in there, that metal is not going to give, but the wood around it will. So as it starts to flex and bend or you have these pressures on it, that screw will, can and will loosen up at some point and add seasonal movement to it and you're making it even worse. So for me, for my money and my time, I would much rather have a good quality wood joint, a mortise and tenon or a draw board mortise and tenon joint, something along those lines to add strength and security to it. And um, no, no metal fasteners at all, as far as I'm concerned. What about you guys? Sure. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's, And that's a show. <laughs> uh, well, I mean,
2: I think that the issue is, is we, we have no idea what his design is. I mean, I'm picturing a right. typical Norm Abrams. Yeah. Classic. Uh, and this may be where he's beat, where he's coming from because Norm used carriage bolts um, like, and screws to attach the slats down to the whole thing. So the typical, typical meaning Norm Abrams design has that cross piece, the, the, what do you call those things? The handrest, the arms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) They're cantilevered out. And then there's a cross piece on the back that's attached with carriage bolts. And that essentially that cross piece holds all the weight of the back when you lean back against it. So there's that joint where the the carriage bolt comes through. And I think there's a fair amount of stress on that. So if he's going to replace that with a dowel, um, I don't think that you know you don't want to use a quarter inch dowel there, but um, something substantial, right? yeah. I mean, I think you'd probably be okay there. I mean, walnut is not an exterior wood, but we are talking about a small amount of it. Just keep in mind that your ingrain is going to be exposed to the elements now, yeah, right. Um, so We're just finish it appropriately to well, try to protect
1: that. Well, the other thing it, I wanted to add to, to what I had said is although I don't, I'm thinking in terms of just like a screw and a threaded screw holding into a piece of wood via its threads. I wasn't thinking in terms of bolts, you know, so if you have drilled holes and you want to incorporate some heavy duty hardware, that may be a different story, but I was thinking in terms of screws. Uh, What were you going to say, Matt?
0: I was just thinking, because as I'm reading this, another part of it really that I I think he's concerned with is uh, the actual type of glue itself. And I think if you're really concerned because you because he's saying right in here, right in here, we'll use adhesive instead of a mechanical joint. So it sounds like he's kind of wondering about the the glue itself. Is if you're that concerned about it, maybe move up more towards like something like an epoxy or something. Where again, and it's like you're pointing out. Uh, Shannon, how you know, you can have the end grain of the dowels exposed. Maybe that epoxy could help to kind of seal those a little bit, yeah. so you don't have that potential, mm-hmm. you know, moisture wicking up through there. Because I mean, uh, type on three or maybe like a, a gorilla glue, polyurethane, or something like that. That that's fine. It's water resistant. It's not you know, uh, waterproof necessarily. Uh, so that just makes me wonder, you know, w- what type of if you're going to be relying that much on the ad- adhesive. Along hopefully with the design, but if you're really thinking of the adhesive is what you're most concerned about, uh, there, what type of adhesive should you go with?
2: Hmm. Hmm. Well, I have um, six Adirondack chairs floating around my house, um, and I used Gorilla Glue on the first set I made eight years polyurethane
0: ago or, or regular wood? The, the
2: stuff that the original vo- the original formula that I, like foamed up the stuff that okay. we all hate now
0: <laughs> yeah the, yeah the polyurethane <laughs> crap. yeah
2: and i mean the point being those chairs are as bomb proof as they were the day i built them and they've been through eight seasons now eight winters and and summers uh i've got a pair that are five years old out in the front of my house that i use tight bond three on okay. um and they're exact same situation mm-hmm. um, and then another actually i've got two pairs that are made with type on three and no problems and then i made a set for my in-laws using the new formulation of gorilla glue the polyurethane gorilla glue not the white stuff and i mean of course those are only two years old at this point but i mean they're ridiculously strong so i i think the modern glues are are more than sufficient to handle what you're looking for
1: yeah i've got two from uh the guild build a couple of years ago and i believe that's now two years old and those were type on three primarily and two arizona uh summers it survived without too much of a problem so we don't get too much in the way of cold stuff but uh we definitely have some abusive heat <laughs> and high temperature here uh, in the summer so yeah good stuff Sweet, cool. All right, so iTunes reviews, uh, just good news for people who listen. We're no longer going to read every review we get because frankly we get too many to read and I know it's kind of just uh, I don't know I know if I was listening to a show I would not want to hear five other people's reviews <laughs> I would stop <laughs> you know, yeah, realistically, this is the point
0: where I start fast forwarding like okay thank yeah. you
1: so, so we will uh, we're, if one of them is particularly interesting we might read it but ultimately we are still going to thank the folks who left us reviews because we really do appreciate it and if you want to leave us a review you can go to iTunes and just look us up in the iTunes store click on ratings and reviews and then you could tell Matt how much you enjoy his company
0: because I, I go almost religiously every day now because I'm obsessed with finding out what you think.
1: What's <laughs> new? What's new? So, what's new? <laughs> so uh, special thanks to Titanium Syndicate, Cyberbiker2, Miss099RG, and DonVJGR, who actually left this review, which I will read. He says, I'm a very new woodworker starved for good content. Somehow I ended up here, LOL. Very funny, Don, you jerk. Yeah. <laughs> uh Just kidding. The show as they call I'm it I'm not the show as they call it is like sitting down with three woodworking buddies and cracking a beer. They trade great information, insights and insults in a very good-natured sense. They also have skill they are also skilled at probing through the boundaries of appropriate family <laughs> "quote unquote" radio.
0: I have no idea what <laughs> he's talking about.
1: <laughs> and this is the best part and stumble over those lines from time to time. Always funny. Each have their own shows and combine make a great mix. Thanks for keeping it coming. Uh, Truly love the show, Don. We appreciate that, Don. Thank you
0: very much. And I can guarantee you that after today's episode, they (laughs) they trade great information insights uh, will be one thing that he's wishing he could go back and remove (laughs) from the reveal. Exactly. Um, All right. So I'm seeing some sort of show tagline, new intro,
2: something about probing boundaries or... (laughs) Wood talk probes you in a good way, probing or
1: boundaries. Like
0: yeah, since uh, two thousand seven. Yeah. Wood talk, the uh, proctologist of woodworking.
1: <laughs> it's terrible. We had a, cold, a totally clean show up to this point. Now you're it was screwing still it up. Kind of clean. Ooh, my dog farted. Oh, Ooh, oh, that's, that's not clean. At that's all. brutal. All yeah, right. I thought you said Nicole was sitting next to you. No, no, no. She just oh, left. Geez. Actually, it is suspicious because she just left a few seconds ago. So it could have been it could have been a, a drive by. Crop dusting. All right, so remember today's show is sponsored by Festool. You go to festoolusa.com and see all the great stuff that they have there and also Bell Forest Products who just sent me some fantastic boards that I talked about earlier. Go to bellforestproducts.com And I also would like to mention that you can sign up for a recurring donation to help support the show. Just go to woodtalkshow.com and over in the left-hand column, you'll see a few links there that you can click on and sign up for a very inexpensive monthly thing. It's like, you know, the price of uh, actually less than some cups of coffee, (laughs) depending (laughs) on where you drink your coffee. Uh, And if you want, you could join the the group of people who have been helping us out, like our buddy Tom, who signed up. Tom Buell, you guys know him. Fantastic craftsman.
0: Oh Uh, yeah, absolutely gorgeous.
1: Love it. He
2: is gorgeous. Yeah, um, and his projects are nice, too. I know. That's what I'm saying. Mostly uh, it has to do with where he buys his lumber.
1: Does it? <laughs> no. He's only
2: bought lumber for me once and hasn't built anything with it yet, oh, so okay. I can't really say that. Most
1: of the stuff he's using, that old uh, old growth mahogany, the stuff that was dredged up, That's he just makes amazing things. Anywho, thank you, Tom, for that. We appreciate it. And Matt, how about you give him the contact info, and we will get out of their earballs.
0: All right. Well, if you have comments, questions or topic suggestions, maybe just like Roberto, your mother-in-law wants you to build something and you're like, wait, what? Uh, You can get a hold of us several different ways to commiserate. You can leave us a voicemail on Skype. Our username is WoodTalkOnline. You can call our voicemail line at 623-242-5180. Email us at WoodTalkOnline at gmail.com or leave us a comment on our WoodTalk Facebook page. And if you're looking for the show notes or downloads from today's show or previous episodes, you'll find them at WoodTalkShow.com. And I'm just going to put a, you know something out there. Uh, last week we had that great phone call that made us all laugh. I would love to hear more of those. Don't be shy, because <laughs> we will pick on you. but Just a little. Yeah, it helps the uh, ratings with the show, for sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, thanks for listening, everybody. And I just want to mention that if anyone has a pitchfork that they need to be modified, bring it to me, and I will modify it for $1.49, because I'm going to undercut that guy's price. Ooh, whoa.
0: Wow. What do you think about that? Machiavelli of you. <laughs> Man, that's crazy talk. I, I, I thought you were going to say you are going to move the decimal point over...
1: 150 dollars <laughs> yeah uh, well first then i have to go actually get the skill to do it which is going to cost skill me a some- schmill <laughs> yeah anyway all right well thanks for listening everybody another great show and thanks to the chat room who we ignored once again because that's just what we do unfortunately just how we roll that's how that's we roll yep. all right exactly. have a good one enjoy your woodworking week we'll catch you later Bye. see you
2: this podcast is part of the frog pen studios network